Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing today? Great. All right, that was a little bit of a delay. Let's try that one again. I don't know what happened there. Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing today? That was a little better. Come on. Well, I'm excited to be here. I'm honored and blessed to be able to speak with you today and be here on this not-so-cool fall morning. I'm a little bit disappointed that it's going to be 80 degrees. If you know me, I love fall. This is my favorite season. So when I saw that it was going to be 78 today, I was disappointed. But I refuse to go back, so I'm wearing my sweater, and I will continue going forward in my in my fall clothing because that's what it should be. It should be fall. So anyway, I am so glad to be with you here today. Normally, my husband, Jared, would be up here. And like Chris mentioned, he's actually in South Asia right now. He's about to start his second week there on a missions trip. And I just wanted to give you a quick update. If you have been following him on Facebook or Twitter, you can see kind of the pictures. He tries to post as regularly as possible. But some amazing things have been happening. It's actually about 8 o'clock p.m. there right now. So he's like a half a day ahead of us. And they're finishing up their third night of their festival. They call them festivals, and it's pretty much just like a a big service that they have. They do worship, they do skits, and um, they have music and dancing. And then they get up and they speak to these people. The first night, they had several thousand in attendance, and they saw about 500 people come to know Jesus. There were people that were healed. There was an 18-year-old man that was healed from blindness. was, he was mostly blind in a one eye and completely blind in the second, and he received full sight. There are people that are being healed from diseases and illnesses, and, and um, like Chris had mentioned, demons that are being cast out. There's just incredible things. On the second night, they saw even more people come, and another four to 500 people get to know Jesus. And I don't know the report of tonight, but we know that God is doing amazing things in South Asia, and these are people who have never heard the name of Jesus. So it's an incredible opportunity for him to be over there. They're going to actually... He He sent me a text this morning saying that they found out that they have to leave right away from their service today um, for safety reasons, and so they've been told that they can't go back to their hotel that they were supposed to stay at tonight. They've packed up their things, and they're leaving to their next destination tonight right after their service. So we're going to pray for him and for safety for this team. They've already seen some sickness come around their team, and we know that that the enemy doesn't like to see God's good done in this country and around the world, so we want to pray protection over them. So if you'll just join me in prayer, we're going to pray for them as they finish up this final festival and as they go to their new destination next week and start a whole nother week of festivals and ministry. So would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we just pray right now for Pastor Jared and for the entire team that's over there in South Asia just teaching your word and sharing your love with these people, God, who are so hungry to learn about you. God, we pray for protection over them as they begin to head to their next destination. As the word's getting out and there's there's some safety issues, God, we know that you are the, the provider and that you have control over this situation. So, God, we pray that you will just protect them as they move forward and that all these lives that are so hungry to to learn about you will come to know you. God, we also pray for our service today, God, as we continue our road series, that you will just, um, you'll be over the service, that you'll speak to our hearts and, and let us know what you have for us today through this message. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thanks, guys. So we're going to go ahead and get started on our week three of the road series. We've started this. We're on week three, and we have a total of seven weeks that we're going to be going through. And we're working through the entire book of Romans, which is also referred to as the Romans Road. And the road we're referring to is that the road we begin when we begin a relationship with Jesus. And that road 
determines how we live our lives. It determines how we move forward in life. So when we, when we find that life with Jesus, when we start that road with Jesus, it makes all the difference. We begin a life of faith with him that determines where we're going. And so week one, we, it was called What Went Wrong? And we talked about how we need a Savior. We examined Romans 1 through 3. And I encourage you guys, if you haven't, read through the book of Romans. A lot of times we kind of clump together a couple chapters at a time, and it's hard to go through all the verses. So read ahead so you can kind of know what's going on as we have to skip through on Sundays. But that way you can be prepared and and you can know what's going on in the full story. So first week was what went wrong, Romans 1 through 3. And we learned that the road begins with the recognition that we need a savior in our lives, that we need Jesus to walk this road. And then week two, we learned about, sorry, I lost my place there. Faith makes it right. And that was chapters four and five. And we learned that we have to have a life of faith. We have to know that Jesus is in control of our lives, that he has the best plan for us, the best intentions for our lives. But we have to have faith that he knows what is best for us. And that was for the first two weeks of our road. So what we're going to be talking about, we talked about we have a savior and we have faith to move forward and know that God has control. But what happens when sin sneaks back in and tries to throw us off track? And so this week is entitled, The Trouble with Sin. Have any of you guys ever played the game Sorry? You raise your hands. Okay, so pretty much everyone is familiar with this game. And I think we have a picture up here of the game up here in case you have never played it before. So the way this game works is that you start off in your home base where you see the pieces. It's for four people to play. You start off in your home base, and the idea of the game is that you make your way around the track, around the path, and the first team to make all four pieces around the track and into your, into your home base here wins the game. But the catch with the game is that you can't have more than one person on a spot at a time. So you have these little squares here, and as you're going around, you may land on a spot And then your teammate comes up beside you and lands on your spot, and then they get to kick you you back while saying, does anybody know what you say? Sorry. And so this can be an example of sin in our lives. You know, we start off our life, and we learn that we have a path. We have this road with Jesus. So we begin our road, and we start going down this path, and we have our destination in sight. We have our home base. We know where we're going. We're going to our heavenly home. So we begin down our path. But then sometimes we get stuck and sin comes along and it knocks us off place. And then we get distracted with the sin in our lives and we get distracted with the things that are trying to come in and tempt us and and push us aside. So they knock us backwards. And then we get in this this kind of habit of, of following sin in our lives and then we kind of turn to God and go, sorry, I lost track, sorry. And so what we're going to do is we're going to learn today about how we can get a handle on sin in our lives. And we're going to do that by examining Romans 6 and 7 and learn what the Bible tells us we should do as Christians to maintain, I'm sorry, not to maintain, but to get a hold of the sin in our lives so that it's not controlling us anymore. So we're going to be going through Romans 6 and 7. So I encourage you, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, go ahead and turn to that. It's going to be on the screen as well. Or if you have a smartphone or a tablet, you can turn to that, Romans 6. And we're going to start right off at Romans 6, verse 1 through 3. And I'm reading from the message version. I just love just kind of how blunt and exact it was for, um, for this story. So we're going to start off there, verse 1. So what do we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving. I should hope not. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? 
Or didn't you realize we packed up and left there for good? That is what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. When we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace, a new life in a new land. So this might be a little confusing, so I'm just going to kind of recap it for you here. So what it's talking about is when we start a life with Jesus, week one, we learn that we need a Savior. So when we start that and we realize that we need a Savior, that Jesus is our Savior, and we begin this road of faith with Jesus by our side, we have to leave our old ways behind us. So it's saying you cannot hold, hold a, a place of residence surrounded by sin. You have to leave it. You have to leave town. We can no longer live, let's call it Sinville. You can no longer live in Sinville. You have to move out. You can't be surrounded by the things that are tempting you, that are controlling you, that are trying to, to shift you out of the right direction and the right path that God has for you. So we have to leave Sinville. We have to, we have to get out of town. We no longer have to live there. Sin no longer holds the deed to our lives because we have found a savior, because we are beginning that new life, that new path with Jesus. And we now hold the keys to salvation because we've discovered that we have a savior who loves us, who cares about us, and who wants to walk this road of life with us. But the trouble with sin and what we're going to talk about is that it keeps rearing its ugly head in our lives and it tries to throw us off track. And so that brings us to our big idea of today, which is sin's detours can't keep us from the life-saving grace of God. Sin's detours can't keep us from the life-saving grace of God. Sin is a very powerful thing. It's something that controls us. It's something that just eats away at us. It has the power to tempt us. And the thing about sin is the enemy uses it at our weakest moments. He knows what we struggle with. He knows what we fight with. He knows, he knows what, what gets us weak, what gets us down. And so he tries to use that against us. But the good news is, is that God's grace is more powerful. God's grace is bigger than the sin that tries to surround us. And that's what we're going to talk about today, is about how God's grace is stronger and we, we can fight against the sin in our lives. We can pull through every weak moment, every speed bump, and every sin that tries to control us because we have the power of God, and it is bigger than the sin in our lives. So sin's detours no longer can control us because we have the grace and the love and the mercy of God to help us get through that. So let's turn to um, chapter 6 again, verses 6 through 11, and see what it says there. Could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ. A decisive end to that sin-miserable life. No longer it sends every beck and call. What we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, he took sin down with him, but alive, he brings God down to us. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue, and you hang on every word. You are dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. And I love this. That's what Jesus did. Jesus gave his life. He paid the ultimate price for us to have a new life, to begin this new road, this new journey with him. That's what Jesus did. Jesus controls us. He loves us. He wants, to, he wants to write our name, his name on our hearts. 
He wants to have ownership over us. Have any of you ever seen the movie Toy Story? This is one of my favorite Pixar movies. And one of the things I love about Toy Story is the main boy character in this. His name is Andy. And whenever Andy gets a new toy, he takes a permanent marker and he writes his name on the bottom of the shoe of his toy. And he does this because he's claiming ownership over that toy. He's saying, this toy is mine, and I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to love it. I'm going to play with it. It's mine. I'm going to cherish it and take control of it. And that's what Jesus does. When we find salvation through Jesus, he writes his name on our heart, and he says, you're mine. I love you. I care about you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to walk this journey of life with you. And so because Jesus has ownership over our lives, because his name is written on our hearts, we no longer have to walk this road alone. And that's what this passage tells us, is that sin no longer has authority on our lives because Jesus has laid his claim on our lives. He died for us so that we could walk a life with him, so that we no longer have to have sin controlling our lives. And that's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to know that we no longer have to suffer in life alone because we have Jesus with us. So when the voices of sin start creeping in, you know, when we're struggling and we're just in that moment where we're kind of going backwards a little bit, like we talked about with the game of sorry, and we get pushed off track and, and the, sin of the, the voices of sin come creeping in, Jesus is there to decipher those whispers and to, and to pull it out of us. I love how this verse says here, it says, God speaks your mother tongue and you hang on every word. So when those whispers are creeping in, when that sin from our past or the sin that we still struggle with currently is trying to creep in our, in our minds and in our hearts and is trying to overtake us, we know that we have a direct connection with God, that he can push that out. He can separate us from, from that, that sin, those whispers that are trying to talk us you know, to the ledge. And instead he can say, listen to me. Listen to my heart, listen to my voice, and know that I have control and that I am with you. But we also need to be honest with ourselves and know that sin is present in our lives. It surrounds us, and we have to put sin in its place and let go of the chains that sin tries to hold us down with. And so now we're going to, well, our next point is this. The, dismiss, this excuse me, the dismissal of sin in our lives gives God room to repave our road. The dismissal of sin in our lives gives God room to repave our road. We have to let go of the things that cause us to sin. We have to let go of those things in our lives. So now we're going to go to chapter 6, verses 12 through 14. You must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full time. Remember you've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. Now we're going to skip down to verse 20. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. When we find salvation, we are set free. We've learned that, that Jesus sets us free from the baggage that holds us down. But we also have to do our part 
to get rid of the things around us. I love how it says here, you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't even give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. We have to clean those things out of our lives. We have to let go of the sin that controls us. We can't even let it tempt us and be a part of our lives. We have to let go. So if you struggle with overeating or maybe not eating enough, we have to find someone who can help us work through that. Maybe you struggle with pornography or lust. What kind of movies are you watching? What kind of computer programs are you using? You need to set yourself up with accountability so that you're not tempted by those things. If you have an issue with drugs or alcohol, where are you going? Are you hanging around people who were drinking? Are you still sitting in a bar and being tempted by that? We have to let it go. We can't even... We can't even associate with it. We have to let it go. If you struggle with money issues, with finances, don't go to the mall with credit cards or with your paycheck before you pay your bills. We have to let sin go. We can't hold on to it anymore. We can't do anything with it. We need to let it go because you know what? If we let sin just kind of hang out, we're going to keep falling back. And like we learned in that first part, it says, what are you going to do? Keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving? That's not how it works. God forgives us, and his grace and his mercy are never-ending, but we have to do our part. We can't expect God to just do it all. We have to be willing to let go and move forward. So we can't even associate with it. We can't tempt sin to have power in our lives. So if we're allowing these things to surround us, if we're watching things we shouldn't watch that we struggle with, if we're being around people who don't encourage us, but instead they discourage us and they pull us down, then we're only tempting the fate of sin in our lives. We're allowing sin to still be present in our lives. We have to let go. And it's hard, but we can do it because God has saved us, because he has defeated sin. He has conquered the power of sin in our lives. It doesn't have to have authority over us because we have the power of Jesus, which is 10 times, 100 times stronger than that. But we have to be willing to leave it in our lives. We, we, can, we have to put it behind us. We can no longer walk that path with sin being there. We can only win the battle of sin if we're walking in a right relationship with Jesus. We have to make sure that we are in the right place in our lives with Jesus, that we have declared him our Savior, that we have declared him our Lord, that we have the faith to know that God has control of your life. You know, I still, I still struggle sometimes. Pastor Jared still struggles sometimes. We all struggle with the battle of sin. It's there. It's always going to be there. But when we focus our attention on Jesus, when we focus our trust on Jesus, he's there to direct our paths. You know, I was talking to my life group not too long ago about how, you know, I had just been feeling tired and I wasn't sure what was going on, but I'd just been struggling with this feeling of constantly being tired. And I realized that I was going through this phase of not putting God first in my life. And so I would go through my days just being exhausted because the, the things in my head were just spinning around and, and the stress and the frustration of life were just kind of caving in. And I realized I wasn't putting God where he needed to be at first in my life as my Lord, as my Savior. I wasn't allowing him to lead me on this road. And instead I was just trying to, to be still and allow myself to have control. 
But as soon as I stopped, I, I remember it was just a day, and I was, I was tired of it. I was done with it. So I put on some worship music, and I began to just praise Jesus. And I said, God, I don't want to walk this life alone. I don't want the frustration and the stress of my finances or, or Jared being out of the country or, or whatever else. I don't want that to hold claim over my life. I want to walk this path with you. And what I did there is I put sin in its place. I put the temptation of my life, the temptation to feel lonely and vulnerable and to feel empty and depressed. I put it behind me. And I put God where he needs to be at the front of our path, leading us and guiding us. And so our last point here is the distraction of sin will try to veer us onto the wrong road. And that, that's what I'm talking about. That's what happened to me. The distraction of sin will try to veer us onto the wrong road. And we're going to talk about how Paul, he really struggled with this. And this, is, this was kind of cool for me to read. And I had to read this passage a couple times because you don't often hear people who are just so vulnerable and he's just crying out. He's telling us how he's, he's just really battling with the, with the sin in his lives. He, he, doesn't know, he doesn't know how to get a hold of it. He doesn't know how to control it. And it's just kind of eating him away. And to me, it was just such a beautiful thing to see this amazing Apostle Paul that we hear about throughout the entire Bible who is in this moment of vulnerability saying, I'm struggling and this is hard, and I don't know how to get through this. And that's how we feel sometimes. We just really struggle, and it's really difficult for us to pull through this. And so let's turn to chapter 7, verses 18 through 25, and follow along with me as we, we hear Paul just kind of pouring out his heart here. And I know that nothing good... Sorry, my computer was acting up there. Sorry. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing right. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. That's pretty powerful. Here we see the Apostle Paul, he's just pouring out his heart. He's trying. He wants to do what is right. He knows that God is in control of his life, but he still falls backwards to the habits of sin. And it's not that Paul was doing anything wrong. Paul was an amazing man, just like we're amazing people doing what God has asked us to do, walking the path that God has asked us to walk on. But even as Christians, we can struggle with sin and oftentimes we struggle with the guilt and the shame of falling off track sometimes and letting sin kind of take hold. But here's the beautiful thing is that God's grace is bigger than that. God's love for us is so much bigger than the sin that distracts us. So as we're talking about the Romans road and we're talking and going through the book of Romans, this is a journey. This is what, what Romans is about. It's about the journey that we walk through as Christians and as believers. We found that we have a Savior and we know that we need faith to help us pursue this path. 
But then sin gets in the way and it tries to knock us off. And sometimes we're just like Paul where we're just crying out, God, I don't know what's going on. I try to do what's right. I go to church. I go to my life group. I have an accountability partner. I read my Bible. I pray. But for some reason, I keep going backwards and I don't know what to do. I don't want my heart to feel this way. I don't want my mind to feel this way. I don't know what to do. And that's what is great about the end of this verse here. It says, thank God the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. And he will always be the answer. Because let's remember that Jesus has laid claim over our lives. When we asked him to be our savior, he has laid claim. Our name is in his book. His name is on our heart. He loves us. He cares about us. He is claiming, you are mine. I love you. I care about you. I forgive you. Let's start this road over again. I'm sorry you fell off. I'm sorry that happened to you, but let's start again. Let's start this road. Let's start it fresh. Let's begin. Put sin behind you because sin no longer has authority over your life. We now have salvation in Jesus. We have faith to carry on. And we now have been set free from the power of sin that holds us. That doesn't mean that sin's not going to sneak back in because it will. It's going to tempt you. It's going to hit you right where it hurts the most and it's going to try to pull you off track. But that doesn't mean that it lays claim over you. You are a new creation. The Bible says that we are a new creation. The old is cast away. We are not defined by our past. We are not defined by the sins that we struggle with. But instead we are defined by the name that is written on our hearts, which is Jesus. So we get a fresh start. We get to start again. We get to put sin behind us and begin again. So I encourage you, if you are struggling in your life, if there's something you're dealing with, let it go. It's like the the Disney song Frozen. Let it go. Let it go. It's done. It can't hold us anymore. It will tempt us and it will try to throw us off track, but it does not have a hold on you because you now have the power of Jesus that is living in you that is stronger than any sin, any temptation, any guilt, and any shame that tries to lay hold on your life. And so our challenge for this week is to release the power of sin in your life. Release the power of sin in your life. Now that may sound easier than it is, and you're like, okay, well, how am I supposed to do that? Well, we're going to go through a couple practical steps of how we can do that. We're going to release the power of sin in our lives. We've talked about how sin tries to control us, so how can we release it from our lives? Well, first, we have to remember that Jesus is in control. He has the ultimate control over our lives. And because of him, sin no longer holds claim over us. So we're going to speak and release them out loud. That may sound silly, but let me tell you what. There is something powerful about speaking things out loud. So when we say, God, I'm really struggling with pornography, or I'm really struggling with eating. I'm really struggling in my finances with adultery, with lust, with whatever it may be, with alcohol, drugs, addiction, whatever it is. When we speak that out loud and we ask God and we say, God, I am releasing this from my life. I am releasing the claim, the hold that the enemy is trying to hold over me, and I'm claiming that I am yours that you no longer have the power and authority here. There is something powerful about speaking that out loud. And I promise you when you do that, you will feel a freedom, a release from that. The second one is to dedicate and rededicate 
your life to God and claim his saving grace over your life. Maybe you've been hearing these messages the past couple weeks and it you're just you're kind of feeling that stirring in your spirit. You're feeling like there's just there's something you need to change. Maybe it was the first week and you you gave your heart to Jesus and the second week you realized that you needed to be on a on a stronger faith track with Jesus. Maybe today you realize that there's something still in your life that is just kind of overtaking you. There's something that's distracting you. There's something that you haven't let go of, that you haven't released from your life that's distracting you. You need to rededicate. Or maybe it's the first time and you want to ask Jesus as your savior today. That's how we begin this path. That's how we begin this journey, by starting a life fresh with Jesus. It's never too late to start again. It's never too late. He is always there and he's waiting and he's willing. There are people at this festival that Jared's at that are grown adults. There are, you know, older people. There's children. It's never too late. These people have lived an entire life away from God in another religion, worshiping gods that aren't the true God. But it's never too late and they come. In hundreds they come because they want to receive the love of Jesus and that same love that is for those people in South Asia and in the other countries that our missionaries are part of is the same love that is waiting for you, the same grace and forgiveness that is waiting for you. And I feel like there's some of you that just need to release some things from your life today. And then our last one is say no and ask for help. Just like that, just like the old drug slogan, say no, just say no. Say no. When sin is coming and tempting you, if you struggle with something, just say no. Say no to that TV show. Say no to that shopping trip. Say no to opening up the refrigerator in the middle of the night. Say no to that bottle of alcohol or the drugs or whatever it is that you're struggling with. Just say no. But here's the other part is ask for help. If you need help, I'd love to talk to you. And if I don't know the information, I'll find someone who can. But another answer is life groups. If you're not part of a life group, get connected. Because I'm telling you what, you won't regret it. Life groups are amazing. We meet throughout the week and it's a great support system to encourage each other. And if you do attend a life group, open up. Open up in your life group. It's meant to share. Life is not meant to be lived alone. We're all walking this road and this journey together. So open up. Find someone who can hold you accountable in the things that you struggle with. Find someone you can share your life with. Find someone who can be there with you. When you're struggling, they can encourage you. When you're having doubts, when you're ready to turn around and walk the other way and let the the whispers of sin sneak back in, find someone who can encourage you and be there for you. You need that in your life. So just say no and ask for help. It's important. And Aaron's going to lead us in a, in a song of, of worship as we close out. But first, I, you know, I just really feel like the Holy Spirit has spoken to some of you today. And there's just some of you that are, haven't quite let go of some of the stuff that you're struggling with in your life. There's just some things that are just still holding claim over your heart and over your life. And you're not able to fully walk this path with Jesus because the sin, the struggles of your life are pulling you backwards and these chains are just kind of yanking at you and you can't seem to break through that. So if everybody can just close their eyes and bow your heads, I don't want anybody looking around. This is just a private moment for you and for God. If you're struggling with something today, today is a day that you can be set free of that. 
And I'm going to ask you, if you are struggling with something, if you just raise your hand. This isn't for a public show. This is just so that I can see you and I can pray for you today for that to be released over your life. Because I believe that God's love and his grace and his freedom is so much more powerful than the sin in our lives. So if you're struggling with something, raise your hands right now so I can pray for you. Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you. All right, let's just pray right now. Jesus, I just thank you so much for your love, for your grace, for your mercy. God, that you love us so much. And despite what road we've taken in the past, the speed bumps and the potholes that we're falling in now, God, that it doesn't matter because your love is stronger. Your grace and your forgiveness is stronger than sin and those struggles. And it no longer holds us in place. So God, I pray right now for those who have raised their hands and and even for those who are maybe not ready, but they feel that stirring in their hearts. God, I pray in the name of Jesus for that sin and that struggle to be released off their lives in the name of Jesus. It no longer holds claim over them. Give them freedom from that, God. Help them to run after you, to be able to walk this life of faith with you with you by their sides. God, I pray that you will write your name on their hearts, that you will hold claim over them and let them know that you are with them, that they no longer have to struggle because you are breaking them free from that. So we command in the name of Jesus for those chains to be broken, for lives to be changed and reconnected with you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you guys. That's powerful. God is an amazing God and he loves us. He has control over us. He is the God that is healing those people in South Asia. And he's the same God who is here and sees your struggles and hears your heart and knows what you're going through. And he says, I am with you. And the trouble with sin is that it isn't trouble anymore because you've been freed by his love and by his grace. And so now when you hear those whispers of doubt, when you hear those struggles and those those fears and those insecurities that are coming in, You now lay claim that Jesus has ownership over your life and his love is more powerful than those voices that try to creep in and distract you. And I'm going to say it again, get connected with a life group. Sundays are great and I love being able to be up here and talk with you and throughout the week, those of you that I get to talk to, but I'm telling you what, life group is where you need to be. It's where you're going to get connected. It's where you can find growth. If you're not part of one, come see me. I'll help you find one. Stop at the Connection Center. They'll help you find one that's right for you, but I encourage you to do that. Don't let sin control your life. Find freedom in Jesus. Now, next week, we're going to be going um, with week four, which is the spirit within, and Aaron's going to be leading us with that, so I encourage you to be here next week, and we'll be going on for the next couple weeks, but we're just going to close out in a worship song, and I encourage you just to take this time to just examine your heart and just let Jesus have control. Let go of the things that are trying to distract you and know that Jesus is in control and he's going to take you through the week and he's going to take you through your life and you're going to walk this path beside a God who loves you more than anything in the world. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.